Good morning, Highland. Glad you can join us today as we are still worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Even though we may be apart, we are still spiritually together and we can learn from God's word together. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 25. That's where our lesson is going to come from this morning. And we want to talk about a lesson of grace and specifically the grace of God. And looking at this chapter, we want to answer one simple question. A question I think you and I wrestle with from time to time, and that is, is God a hard taskmaster? Is God a hard taskmaster? And so before we actually get into chapter 25 and look at the specific parable that we're uh, looking at this morning, we need to also understand what is going on from this chapter. And in order to do that, you have to go back to Matthew 24, where Jesus is talking about the end of times. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about that very thing. And you and I should be looking forward to the end of times because we are bought by Jesus Christ. But um, as Jesus is talking about the end of times, he's also letting them know from Matthew 25 that there needs to be preparation. There needs to be preparation that you and I need to be involved in. And so from Matthew 25, he uses two parables to show us the importance of preparation. At the end of the first parable, which is the parable of the ten versions, showing that uh, five versions were wise, five versions were foolish, five were prepared, five were not prepared for the bridegroom coming as the parable was teaching. But at the end of that parable, he says this, Watch therefore, for you know neither the time nor the hour. Again, he's connecting it back to his previous discussion about that there is an end of times coming and that Jesus is going to come again. And in that final coming, you should be prepared. So as he introduces this next parable, he introduces it with the idea of you are not going to know when that time will come. And so he introduces this parable, the parable that we would know as the parable of the talents. And so in examining this parable, we can learn some things about, again, the question, is God a hard taskmaster? So in looking at this parable, let's begin here, starting at verse number 14. Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, talking about again the end of times. It's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So I want you to really get this idea of entrusted. What, what Jesus is saying is that this master here had servants and he gave them responsibility, a certain amount of responsibility. He entrusted them, he empowered them with his belongings, the master's belongings. Now that's an important point, especially when we start to navigate the question that we're asking, is God a hard taskmaster? So he entrusted them, he gave them responsibility with his belongings. It belongs to the master. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Note this, to each according to his ability. 
then he went away. So we not only see that the master empowers them or gives them responsibility over his things, he gives them each uh, talents um, and he gives it based upon their own ability. Now, don't think of a talent like a few pennies or a quarter or just some type of coin. Really what we're talking about is a large sum of money. So the five talent man would have had a large, that would have been a large sum of money, nothing to spit at. Uh, there, uh, the two talent man would have had a, a pretty decent large sum of money and so would the one talent. So this was a significant amount of money that the master is entrusting in them. But he's doing it based upon their ability. He knows his servants. He understands that each of his servants have different abilities and can only handle so much things. And so he understands that and gives them their talents based upon their ability or give them his talents based upon their ability. But then I love this. Then he actually goes away. So this master doesn't hover over them because, again, he entrusted them. He gave them the responsibility, something that they are capable of based upon their ability. Okay, verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So you have the five talent man and the two talent man, they go out. Um, and they invest the master's money. They uh, were responsible with the master's money. And because they did that, they doubled the master's money, doubled the master fund. So now the five-talent man has 10 and the two-talent man has four. And so they were able to do this. Again, the master knew exactly what, it, what their abilities were. And so he gave talents based upon that to these two men. But notice what the one talent man does. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, you're reading that, you're thinking, well, why in the world would he do such a thing? Right? The other talent men... They invested the money. Wouldn't the one talent man do the same thing? And, and think about this. The task for the five talent man and two talent man may have been a little bit more challenging, but the master knew they could handle it. And so the one talent man may have had the easier job and he had the ability to do this, but he takes that talent and buries it. Now, why would he do such a thing? Well, we find out later why he does it. But let's look and see what the master does when he returns. Now, after a long, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents 
more. So the master returns with an expectation, an expectation that they have settled the talents or the accounts that they were given responsibility over, that they've done their job and invested wisely. So the five-talent man, we see that he did that, and he brings forth the ten talents, and he tells the master, I did what you asked me to do. I was responsible with the talents that you gave me based on my ability, and I was able to produce five talents more. Watch what the master says in verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will see, or excuse me, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Since you did right, since you invested properly my talents, my possessions, because you did that, not only am I going to make you responsible over a little thing, I'm going to even give you more responsibility, more privilege, because you invested wisely. So enter into my bosom, enter into my joy, enter into my place where you have the privileges because you are responsible. So that's what happens to the five-talent man. But the two-talent man does this very same thing, and the master is pleased with him as well. And so he brings him in to the home, into the joys of the master. But watch what happens to the one-talent man as he approaches the master. Verse 24, he also, who had received the one-talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, raping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So again, we were wondering, why would you bury that one talent? Why would you get rid of it? Well, we see here two things. We see here that he believes that it's easy for the master um, to produce. You produce where you do not, uh, you, you make something out of nothing is basically the idea that he's given. That's, and that's great that he acknowledges the master is great. But then he also basically says that you know what, based upon that, you're a hard taskmaster. You are a little, you're, you're harsh on me, and, and you're giving me too much responsibility that I'm just not capable of. And what a slap to the face of the master who knows his servants. And yet this one talent man says, you're a hard taskmaster. You've made it impossible for me to do my job. Notice what the master then says, verse 26. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was owned with 
interest. I gave you the responsibility. I knew your ability. And yet, you did nothing. You did nothing. And watch what the punishment is. Verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will more be, or excuse me, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this one talent man, because he didn't take responsibility, because he didn't use his ability, the master said, I will take that one talent from you, that one privilege you had from you, I will take it away, and I will give it to the ten-talent man or the five-talent man, and then I will throw you out of my sight. Of course, towards the end of this, Jesus is telling us of what destruction is going to look like for the person who does not obey God. So, how does this all play out? And how can we see our relationship with God in this? And again, looking at God's grace. Well, first of all, we need to sort of examine the parable again from our standpoint, or our vantage point. What are the takeaways here? First of all, God entrust his talents to you. God entrusts his talents to you. He gives you talents. He gives you abilities. He gives you the very tools, if you would, to be pleasing to him. And not only does he do that, he gives it based on your ability. Not on somebody else's ability, but your own ability. And how amazing is it that God knows every child he's ever created and he knows what your abilities are. And so he'll give you the tools based upon your abilities. So when he does this, he expects something because, again, he's entrusted you. He's giving you responsibility. And not only that, he tells you exactly what you need to do. Just like the five-talent and the two-talent man, they knew exactly what they needed to do and they did it. But the one-talent man, however, he buries his talent. He doesn't use his talent. And there may be someone who's listening to this today and has not used their talents to please God. When God has told us how to accomplish his will. And so examining the one talent man, again, looking at the, the problem that he had, he thought that the master was a hard taskmaster. And it's so sad to me that there are people, even within the Lord's body, who look at God the same way and say, God, you're a hard taskmaster. It's impossible to please you. And how sad 
That is, and, and there's probably a, a number of reasons why some people within the body and even outside the body feel this way. It may be how you and I communicate grace. And I know I'm guilty of this as well. Uh, I think sometimes we may not communicate the grace of God very well. And, and sometimes we can be very uh, rigid and very uh, militant in our stances and in, in, in our traditions. And, and, and by no means are we saying that doctrine is not important and that uh, the, the list of things that God has commanded us isn't important. But oftentimes with that, we may become legalistic in our nature. Even though we might not mean to be that way, Maybe we are. I think about the Pharisees for a good example. And you remember when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he did this good work by healing a man in their midst. And the Pharisees, you know, got on him because it was the Sabbath day and you're not supposed to work. and You're supposed to keep that day holy. And you remember what Jesus said to them, which one of you? If an oxen were in a pit, which one of you wouldn't rescue that oxen? You see, the Pharisees during that time, or the religious elites during that time, they were making rules where there wasn't a rule. And they were basically making or, or becoming hard taskmasters upon the people and saying that that's God's expectation when that wasn't. His expectation at all. And so I think you and I could be just as guilty of that if we're not careful. That we become like the religious elites during Jesus' day. And communicate as if it's so difficult to please God. So we got to be careful of that. But I want you to consider this from this parable that God is not a hard taskmaster. Because he gives, your, uh, gives you talents that belong to him based upon your ability, and he tells you exactly what to do. And so all the one talent man had to do was invest properly, but he refused to do that because he thought to himself that God is a hard taskmaster, and really God just called him out, or the master called him out and just said, you're just lazy so we really got to think about it is God really a hard taskmaster I would say the answer is no God tells us exactly what we need to do to be pleasing to him and even though we may struggle with pleasing him he still provided Jesus he provided grace Another thing that I think about when, I, uh, when we are dealing with this situation and why maybe we struggle sometimes with seeing God uh, being gracious and not a hard taskmaster is maybe we misinterpret uh, the Old Testament. And we think that God is different in both situations, and He's not. God is the same God in the Old Testament as He is in the New and so I think what we do is sometimes we take certain passages, certain chapters, and we interpret things or just focus on that passage and don't look at the big picture. And so one a great example of this is Nadab and Abihu.
And these are a priest, right, who are related to Uncle Moses. They're nephews of Moses. And Moses uh, was told by God exactly how to be pleasing to God. And so from if you just focus on Leviticus chapter 10, on them being uh, Nadab and Abihu being consumed by fire, then you've missed out on the long suffering that God had even towards Nadab and Abihu. You go back to chapter 8 and you see several times that Nadab and Abihu were in the presence of Noah, or excuse me, Moses rather, were in the presence of Moses, and Moses was demonstrating so many times as the Lord commanded him. So Nadab and Abihu didn't have an excuse. They knew what they needed to do. And God was long-suffering with them. But then we get for the first time in Leviticus 10 that they did not do what the Lord had commanded them. And so I think we take these few times where the Lord brings destruction upon his people and we miss the fact that he was long-suffering. I think, think about the Israelites, how long-suffering he was with them before they were sent to captivity. And then even years after captivity, he sends them out again to free them. So we really have to understand that God, from the Old Testament and the New, God is not a hard taskmaster. He gives you exact, tells you exactly what you need to do. He gives you all the tools to make it happen, and he's gracious with you, even when you mess up. So we have such a great God. And, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I think also we need to throw in the key element of the fact that it's God that gives us the ability. It's God that gives us the talent. It's God that helps us through the responsibility. Without God, we can't accomplish anything. And so I hope that you understand from this parable how important and how wonderful it is that we have such a great God who is not a hard taskmaster, but he is so gracious, he's so loving, he's still just, but even in his justice, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for your time. We hope to see you again uh, at 3 o'clock today and then next week. May God bless you.